Hi, Jens here. Are you interested in innovation? This might be something for you too. Every Friday, I share the latest innovation articles, ideas, videos, books, podcasts, and more that I discovered during the week in my newsletter, Connect the Dots. If you subscribe, you will receive an email into your inbox every Friday. You can't find the newsletter anywhere else, so you have to subscribe if you want to receive it. Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jens Heitland Show. This is a special episode where I bring the audio experience from my innovation culture coding live shows back into the Jens Heitland Show. Please enjoy the innovation culture coding audio experience. Hello, 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 and welcome to innovation culture coding live. We're live again and going into Facebook youtube and linkedin so welcome to innovation culture coding my name is jens heitland and i'm your host we are in this show always deconstructing cases live so this is a show where i feature independent coaches and consultants who are working with innovation topics and that's what it is all about and what's the interesting part of that is this deconstructing of a life case. So it's it's not staged. It's literally we have a case which we have agreed on before. And then we go into how would you solve this for a client? How would you solve that for a customer? So that's what we are doing today as well with my guest. But before we go into that, let's have a look at the sponsor. So the sponsor of today's show is the College of Extraordinary Experiences. And there's a little logo in the in, on top of it, um, the College of Extraordinary Experiences, literally, you can see it as a, a conference for extraordinary experiences where they enable you to learn how you build extraordinary experiences, how you design that. And I have been there a couple of times, and that's why I agreed to have them sponsor this show. It's an awesome team. And there are a lot of people there and it, the, the next College of Extraordinary Experiences will happen next year. So it's quite some time still because of pandemic, we, we haven't been able to do anything this year. Um, I'm looking forward to be there next year. So if you're interested, look at heightlandinnovation.com, which is this show page, and then slash innovation culture coding, where you will find the sponsor, where you will find as well the different other guests and as well today's guests. The theme of today is increase your potential. How might a solar company design new products to replace less efficient ones? And we'll go more into the case and more detailed. But before we do that, I will bring our guest on board. Hello, Elia. Great to have you. Hi, Jens. And um, just so everybody knows, uh, my name is really hard to pronounce. It's Elia. Elia, yeah. I will make that a couple of times wrong. Sorry for that. That's okay. You're <laughs> forgiven in advance. <laughs> yeah, so great to have you. So before we go into the case, tell us a little bit about who you are and what are you doing? 
Sure. Uh, well, I'm an innovation coach, and I work with emerging leaders, especially those in the sustainability and social benefit sectors, to gamify their team's problem solving so that it leads to ideas um, which also lead to better decisions, better results, higher motivation and retention, and making the world a better place faster. And unlike other executive coaches that really just focus on mindset and behavior, my light bulb thinking framework helps clients to use creative problem solving as a leadership tool. And it uh, means that they can address those issues that are keeping them awake at three in the morning more effectively and design a kick-ass culture of innovation. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Kick-ass culture. I think there's a lot to, to, to be done on, on, on that one. <laughs> so I'm interesting <laughs> how we will explore that today in, in, in the case. So the, today's is, is a slightly different setup than everyone who is watching or listening to this um, than, than we have done before because Elia. Elia. Elia, sorry. I will, I will get that today. That's the German pronunciation. <laughs> so today's guess is, is is a little deeper because we wanted to to make it right. And Elia has <laughs> has prepared it extremely well. So we we start with a high level understanding of what it is about. So um, the whole solar industry. So we have picked the solar industry and the solar manufacturing uh, company and looked into. Um, what is happening with that? So the 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 solar industry, uh, if you look into solar, the the cost of solar and and putting them into trash is very high. So the the whole part of sustainability is is very very high if you want to recycle them. So that's that's a starting point. And then of course, if you look into the basics of the panels, they're very very big because of the efficiency reasons, um, and. And over time, specifically over the last 10 years, and I've been working with solar panels, interestingly enough, in 1996, the first time. Huh. Um, so it's quite quite a long time ago, but normally their lifetime is, uh, lifespan is about 30 years. So when you have bought a solar panel and put that onto your roof uh, as a private person or as a business in, in a larger amount, it was fair, fairly large installations and one solar panel is fairly large. So because of the efficiency gains and because of the the decreased in prices over the last years, a lot of companies and a lot of people are looking into replacing them already, though that they are not 30 years old, which, of course, from, from an environmental impact is not the best thing to do, but understandable if people are seeing the efficiency gains and as well the monetary aspects of this. Just to give you an, an explanation of recycling a solar panel in the U.S. cost about Twenty to thirty dollars, and putting it into the landfill cost one to two dollars. So of course there's there's a big constraint and a bit um, trouble when you look into that. And that's that's kind of the starting point. And you, you might go more into that details later on. But from yeah, from, if I could add one yeah. thing to that, which is also important, um, it it does require specialist skill 
specialist labor to remove yeah. the panels. And another aspect is that um, some places consider them hazardous waste mm. because they're very small elements of cadmium, cadmium and lead. So if tons of these panels are being recycled, it is a recycling nightmare. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's really sad because in the end or in, in the beginning, let's say, say it's, it's a good thing to have solar panels and to create solar energy or energy yeah. from solar. But yet let's get into, into the case where, what, what are we doing today? What are we deconstructing? So that's the pre-setting of the case. Then of course, there's a manufacturing company, which understands that, which understands the situation, which understands the needs of the change they're, they're, they need to do to be future oriented, to be future fit. So this manufacturing company is looking into developing new products, new new versions and new product lines of solar panels that, that of course will be more efficient in the future, but also will be better replaceable and better recyclable and, and really looking into how to do that in a systematic way that all of it works together and they hire you and helping them to get into that direction. Yeah. Anything to add on that one? No, I think you covered it. That's great. Good. So that's the starting point. So they they hire you. How do you start and how do you really go into understanding of what's going on and, and get into that? Yeah, great. Um, so the tool that I use is my framework, light bulb thinking. And I designed it to be a really simple way of demystifying creative problem solving. What I've learned over the years is that Many people say, oh, I'm not creative. And, and they think that, you know, that's it. They can't get involved in brainstorming sessions. They have nothing to contribute to coming up with new products or processes or even marketing campaigns. So I run through the framework with them. And it's, it's really simple. And um, I send you a visual. I don't know if yes. you're able to bring that up. I can that overlay that like this. Perfect. Yeah. So I, I go through a really quick explanation. Uh, the light bulb thinking consists of four phases. And I keep things simple because I, there's no need to complicate this. The first um, phase is planning. And this is where you identify what the problem really is. You know, oftentimes we'll spend time throwing stuff at a problem and it turns out to be the wrong problem. So the solution is completely wrong. So we want to get it right from the start. Uh, within planning, uh, we also look at goals, you know, what are we trying to achieve? Um, and also, uh, we look at who's going to be the project team. So not just internally, but when it comes to brainstorming, who do we want to invite to the table, the, the, the external people, you know, I've had, uh, people from PR agencies turning up people from, um, various vendors that are distributing products. So it can be any, any group of people. And it's really important to not over plan, you know, that the tendency is, oh, let's plan to get it right. Mm. Um, but you need to leave space, uh, for fresh ideas to come through. Now, ideating, this is the part that everybody, um, equates with creative problem solving. This is the brainstorming, the fun part, and all of that is true. Um, 
but it does need direction. And that's why the planning is, is so important because you're going to have the problem statement displayed while you're doing uh, your brainstorming. You're going to choose a brainstorming exercise that's appropriate. And uh, later on, I can give some examples of that. And the, the session, the brainstorming session needs to be facilitated in such a way that everybody knows that their voice can be heard. And if a leader is also facilitating the session, it can be quite hard. So um, I do sometimes spend some time working with the leader on their own to say, okay, you know, this is where you have to take your leadership hat off and put your uh, facilitator hat on. Um, and then we go into the, the choosing phase. So you've got these ideas that have come out. What are the ways in which you can narrow down the field if you have loads of ideas? Um, and how how can you do that the most effectively? So there are different ways uh, that, that people can do that. Anything from as simple as a pros and cons list to coming up with a, a criteria chart so that you can see, you know, how, how does this idea tick the boxes in these different areas? So once you've got it narrowed down and you may come down to one option uh, and move forward with that, or you may come down to two or the most three. So the next question is, do we implement this idea or do we take it forward as an innovation? Now, hopefully at that point, you've got one idea and the way to judge that is very simply, if we can do this fairly easily within the next few months, in other words, we're not going to have to add uh, a, a lot of people to the team, we're not going to have to uh, spend a lot of money on it, then let's go ahead and implement this now as an iteration. If, on the other hand, there's a lot of potential to it, or yes, you've agreed that it's a new idea, then you need to go into the innovation framework, which involves deconstructing that idea, looking at it from the user point of view, and also um, going through the the um, 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 the, the bigger iterations on that, uh, so that you make sure that uh, you get it right. And Jens, what's the word I'm searching for here? <laughs> Good question. Um, so it, from an innovation perspective, so you literally, yeah. so, so you, you, you either go into implementing or you, you take them into the innovation where you look into prototyping, I guess. and Prototyping. Thank and you. Really yeah. validate that topic. Yeah, exactly. So, so that, if, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Love that process. He could be German. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love processes and very, very clear descriptions because it helps me at least to understand okay the, i'm i'm very clear on understanding of what your steps are yeah. but let's 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 take this example and use use your framework the light bulb thinking framework do you call it mm -hmm. framework yes yeah yeah and 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 apply that into in, into the manufacturing company so the mm -hmm. solar manufacturing companies hiring you how do you take them into the planning phase Okay, so um, I can either train them how to do this themselves. And for emerging leaders, this is really important because 
they may come into a leadership role because there's nobody else available. You know, people have been changing jobs like crazy. And so somebody might get kicked into an interim leadership role and and they're looking around and saying, how do I do this? And especially if the pressure is on to come up with, you know, better results and new ideas. So I spend time with the leader and make sure that they understand the light bulb thinking process. Uh, We also spend a bit of time talking about who's going to be involved in the project. This is so important because Mm. you don't want to add people willy nilly. You want people right from the start, Uh, not just for the the um, effectiveness of the the outcomes that you get, but it's also a hugely motivating factor. And I don't think many, many people, many leaders realize this, that. Uh, people are looking around to change jobs. And one of the things that's going to keep them where they are is if they're feeling valued. One of the ways of valuing people is by listening to their ideas and um, having them contribute with an equal voice to a team of people uh, that's going to be taking things forward. So that's a great way of uh, keeping people uh, on board. So having done that, then, um, So as I said, either the leader is going to go through this process themselves or I'm going to facilitate the process. So the first thing we're going to do is um, come up with a problem statement. So to reiterate, um, the situation for this manufacturer is that they manufacture solar panels, but they they don't install them. So installation is not an issue. They've been seeing that these problems around recycling and hazardous waste and size have been on the the, uh, horizon for some time. And they know that coming up with new solutions is going to be costly and inconvenient. So they they want to get the jump on it now. And they also want to be seen as the leader in the field. So in this group, here we are, Jens, and you are in this group with me. The first thing we're doing is we're coming up with a problem statement. And we want the problem statement to be phrased in the positive. And a really good way of doing that is by starting the problem statement by saying how to or how might we. So, Jens, do you have an idea for a problem statement? Yeah. So how how might we as a solar company um, design new products or a new product line that will enable us to build better, better efficient and, and replaceable solar panels. Okay, I'm just jotting this down. Already too big. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to shorten it a bit. Uh, uh, more efficient and can we say affordable? Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's, that's a key part. Okay, how might we design a more efficient and affordable product line. How does that sound? Yeah. Okay. And affordable product line. And it probably goes without saying that it is going to be a new product line if we're talking, you know, we're trying to get to innovation. Okay. So the next thing that we do is identify the goal for the project. And we pretty much have the goal, uh, stated in the problem statement. So sometimes you don't need to go 
in that step. But I want to give an example of uh, what looking at a, a goal might look like for anybody who's wondering. Yeah. Um, so this is this is an example that is actually set in India. Um, there's you've probably heard of Tata, Tata Steel, Tata Motors. Uh, they're a very big company in India. And uh, one of the Tata family members, Ratan, was coming into the business and he eventually became the head of the company that incorporated Tata Motors. Um, they had already successfully launched um, something called the Tata Ace, which was a truck. And uh, Ratan Tata wanted to identify a car, how, to develop a car that was more affordable than the typical family vehicle. So, it's interesting to look at what inspired this goal for him. Um, and uh, so he, he recounts a story that, you know, one day he was out and about in Mumbai and he noticed the number of families that were riding around on scooters. And I say families. So this is more than one person yeah, on a little it. itty to <laughs> scooter and they're shopping. Um, and he was so curious about um, how they obtained their scooters and learned how to use them. And so what he found out by observing was that they were going to farmer's markets and that's where the, the scooters were being sold. Um, they had everything else at the, the um, market that they needed so they could get their motorcycle license. They learned how to ride the scooter and they could take it home that same day. And so from saying that, he was inspired to build the world, world's cheapest car, which is called the Nano, and uh, that can actually be assembled at local dealerships. So by observing the behavior of both the sco scooter customers and his own potential customers, it convinced him to go where the customers were. So he set up Rattan Motors in the farmer's markets. He added financing and insurance and driver's ed services along with uh, the licensing. And in 2009, uh, the Tata, Tata Nano was introduced uh, at, in US dollars, $2,200, which is astonishingly that's uh, affordable. super affordable, yeah. And it generated a significant amount of revenue for the company. So uh, that's an example of, you know, if you're not sure what you're looking for, you know, think in terms of what the customer is looking for. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And and I think that's that that goes for literally all products you're developing. Yeah, Just in, in so. the end, they're for customers there, not for your exactly. own use. Exactly. Most of the time. Yeah. And one of the things... Um, in the the that could actually fall into the planning or the ideating phase is getting that customer user experience involved in the process. So whether you yeah. actually bring customers into the ideating session or whether you go out and you talk to customers and do surveys and things, it's, it's really crucial. Um, you know, marketing 101 or product development 101 is not to develop a product because you want it. You develop a product because somebody else wants it. Yeah. So, um, that's important too. So here we are in the in the planning phase. We've got our problem statement. Thank you very much, Jens. Um, and we've just determined who the project team is. So we're going to share the process with the project team and the timeline because we have a rough idea of when that's going to happen. Yeah. One one question. So when you do this with the planning, and you said you you work with the leadership, 
is it important that you start on a certain level of the leadership inside the organization? For example, does it need to be executive management or does it need to be one specific part or, or is it not important? Good question. Uh, when I talk about leadership in a uh, team problem solving setting, I'm talking about the team leader. Mm -hmm. or the department leader, somebody who is basically sponsoring the project. They may not be leading it on a day-to-day, -day, but they're very closely involved with the, the project. In fact, the leader might choose somebody else entirely to say, lead this project. Or he might say to the team, okay, guys, here's your project. Decide how you're going to do it. Yeah, um, And it's important for the leader or the leader who's um, giving responsibility to the team to, to remind them not to overplan, uh, to leave space for what's going to come out in the greenhousing process. Yeah. Okay. So, good. Go. <laughs> okay. So we're moving on to the ideating phase now. And in, in that session, everybody has a copy of what the problem statement is and the goal if they need that. But usually the problem statement is about right. Um, you've invited the uh, project team and any external people to the ideating session. Um, if you're doing this digitally, um, I know that some companies have had great success with apps like Mural and Miro. One, one of the challenges with doing this uh, remotely is, you know, how do you get everybody onto the whiteboard? Yeah. So this is a way of doing it. And there are other ways of overcoming it. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it now because it's different for every team, for every organization. So you're going to choose a brainstorming exercise that's going to get people thinking. And um, I have I have two that I prepared earlier. Um, and I would love for us to go through one so that people can see how easy it is. I, I think people sometimes get afraid of doing brainstorming because it, it can seem complicated, but it's not once you know what the rules are. So yeah. there are lots of different exercises out there and they typically fall into four categories. Two of them I'm going to talk about here. One of them is called random links. And um, random links is about making associations between the issues and something completely random. And there, there are two rules to this. One is that the random item must be truly random. And I'll give an example of that in a second. And you must work hard to find a connection. Even if you think there's no connection whatsoever, it's important because it's likely that once you do find the connection, it's going to be unique and therefore very interesting. So one standard way of coming up with these random links is by combining an adjective and a noun like purple elephant. And if we wanted to do uh, use this exercise, uh, I've come up with two other words, not purple elephant. Um, the other type of brainstorming is called revolution. And this is interesting because the mind loves to make whatever comes into it fit with what it already knows. And so um, it kind of, it says anything that's coming in that's different. No, 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 thank you. Yeah. You know, I'm going to stick to what I already know. But revolution is about deliver, deliberately breaking the mind's rules. And the easiest way to do this is to either impose constraints or remove constraints. So uh, some examples. 
the budget has been reduced by 50%. Everybody's buying it. An external event makes an existing product redundant. So think about COVID and conference mm. centers, for example. Turn something slow, like a tortoise, into something fast, like a tortoise on a skateboard. Um, and here's a really good example of how this works. Uh, some years ago, uh, you might have heard of the Siens because this is not, you're a lot closer to the Netherlands than I am. And there was a city there that had a, a littering problem. And so they, they wanted to um, swap things around because they were tired of imposing punishments. You know, we're going to fine you or we're going to lock you up or whatever. Uh, and they wanted to turn the tables. So uh, instead of punishing people for dropping litter, what they did was they created a version of a trash can with a, um, a sensor in it. And when somebody put a piece of trash in the trash can, it hit the sensor and the sensor generated a joke. So people were picking litter and putting it into the trash can because they wanted to be rewarded with a joke. So that's an example of um, how they revolutionize things by rewarding people instead of punishing them. So um, I don't know if you're up for doing a, a bit of brainstorming. Uh, what do you of think? Of course. Okay. Yeah, so always. of those two, do you have a preference for um, either random links or revolution? Let's go for revolution. Okay. So a revolution example for solar panels might be <clears throat> the government has dictated that everything has to be 100% recyclable. Or all homes are now tiny homes, and tiny homes have much less roof space available for panels. So uh, do either of you strike those as something you'd like to play with? Yeah, I mean, the government, 100% recyclable, I think, is a, is a very tough one, but interesting. Let's take Okay, that. you want to go with that? Yeah. Okay. All right. So the government now requires everything to be 100% recyclable. What does that make you think of, either in terms of your own experience or... <clears throat> any any daydreaming that you've done it's i think it it needs a complete reinvention of of solar energy produ production i'm i guess at least without knowing all the okay. details from a technical perspective but i know um, that yeah. there there are possibilities definitely on how to do that in a natural way and okay. the process is natural it's more about the the different ingredients and, and specifically materials you're using need, need to be worked out in a different way. And if you have something which is which is not working in a proper way, you, you need to find different recycling possibilities. Mm -hmm. So I think it's on both ends. One is a more sustainable product or ingredients or materials. And the other part is finding better ways of recycling. So, so I'm going to, yeah, that, that's perfect. And I'm going to bring in a third um, technique for brainstorming, which is called related worlds, um, because you're hitting on something that's really important that oftentimes uh, a solution exists, but we just haven't seen it within our own industry. Yeah. So a really quick example of that is uh, that 
um, the way Velcro was invented was that the inventor was out walking in a field one day and he came back home and there were a whole bunch of burrs attached to his trousers. And he thought, well, wait a minute, what if I use this technology to uh, create a fabric that um, adheres to something without the use of buttons or snaps? And that's how Velcro was invented. Huh. Yeah, that's... So, Sometimes you just need to 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 find like random randomness, like you like you said. Yeah. D does that make you think of anything in particular? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, one part is when when you have been general solar is for me. It's like how do plants do that, and how how can we learn from a plant's perspective of how they're utilizing the the solar energy perfect in in different ways and maybe that's that's an entrance into finding something completely new which which you wouldn't think of yeah that's that's a beautiful example Jens yeah perfect um so I'm going to stop there because actually at that point you can begin to see Oh, okay let's let's find some examples or let's let's do some research into how plants convert um, yeah. light into energy and let's regroup so a really important part about ideating is to not finish the process after just one session um, to to allow space not just for new ideas to come up but for the brain to kind of process um, you know that phrase sleep on it is very very valid yeah because your subconscious will keep working while you're sleeping and oftentimes you wake up in the morning oh i just had a great idea for this thing that i've been trying to solve so we want to allow that that kind of filtering time to take place so um when the planning is taking place for ideating i always say allow for at least two sessions and you can be flexible on this uh and see what happens after the second session. If it looks like there's some more ideating to be done, then I would allow a third session. The, the time frame in between um, is entirely up to each team. It, it varies. It could be anything from a week apart to a month apart, um, maybe two months apart between the second and the third, if there's a lot of research uh, to be done. Um, so uh, that, that's really important. A couple of things to say about the ideating sessions. And I think most people would understand this, that um, it's really important to not squash any ideas that come out in ideating. We don't all have the experience of sitting in in brainstorming sessions, but it's it's very it's very tempting to say to somebody that'll never work. And the problem with that is that you might have an idea that could actually be this amazing flower, um, but if you think it's a weed, you never give it a chance to to kind of see the light of day. So that's so important. Um, if you can inject humor into the brainstorming sessions as well, that's really important because it relaxes people. Um, it helps the brain think in different ways. So those are a couple of things that, that I encourage. And also to record all the ideas. So um, 
if you're not recording it yourself, get somebody in to do nothing but recording. Um, you can you can even get really creative with this. Uh, if you have a, a budget for this kind of work, you can bring in a professional recorder and they, they do these amazing visuals yeah. uh, as you know, as you're talking, they actually write this stuff out. Uh, and I think that's all. Oh, one other thing to say in ideating is to challenge assumptions. That kind of goes along the lines of um, not judging ideas. So if it, it's it's also, well, we've always done it that way. Well, why? You know, why have we always done it that way? What's the benefit of having always done it that way? So the question those things. Yeah. Uh, so let me pause there to see if you have any questions or anything to add before you go into the next phase. Yeah. Do you have um, a limit on people who, who can be in one team in the ideation process or is there like a free flow or a recommendation from your side? Um, yeah, I, I would say definitely cap the number of people in a session. Uh, I would keep it to no more than 10 people and even 10 feels too big. Hmm. Um, what you can do if you have a lot of people that you want to uh, come into the conversation is schedule, you know, two or three brainstorming sessions with different people um, and also after you've done the first brainstorming session, get different people to join on the second brainstorming session, you know, have your small group there, maybe that, that six people, uh, six group of six people that were originally in, involved. And that's where you start bringing your external people saying, you know, we've come up with these ideas and now we want some new ideas from, from your perspective. Do you have any recommendations from a diversity of the team? team members yeah yeah um i'm so glad you raised that point because diverse thinking is hugely important in fact when you're putting a team together for creative problem solving uh, my advice is to look for the mavericks um and that reminds me <laughs> something i meant to say at the beginning uh i have a chapter coming out in a book called think like a maverick the book is called winner's mindset it's going to be out on amazon in a few days and it's available for 99 cents uh just for a short time so little plug there excuse me yeah um, no it's i will put the link <laughs> as well into into the web page so everyone who is Fantastic. listening or watching this go to the web page and and, and buy the book. Thank you. So back to your question. Uh, yes, uh, diverse thinking is really important. That can include diverse experience. So um, em diverse employment experience, diverse cultural experience. Um, and when I talk about the Mavericks, uh, I mention them specifically because they're If you think about people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and, um, you know, Thomas Edison, they did not care what people thought about them. They, they yeah. just went ahead and did it. They opened their mouth and they, they gave their ideas. And that's what mavericks do. And those are the kinds of people that you want on your project team. So even if they're not in your formal team, seek them out in your organization. Um, it, it's it's going to be challenging. Uh, I will give that government warning. Um, but it, it's, it's, where, it's where the magic happens when you get people who are willing to um, listen to new voices and to have a 
an intellectual debate, not, not, you know, this is nothing personal in brainstorming. It's all, you know, how are we going to solve this problem together? So it's very collaborative. So yeah, thank you for raising that diversity, hugely important. Yeah. And it's, it's fun that you mentioned that from a maverick perspective, because often in organization, these are the ones who are getting silenced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, because they're difficult. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I I agree. It's it's specifically in this creative process is you need them to be able to go out of your norm because we're kind of trained not to be creative in a lot of sense. From a if I mean I've been working in in large corporations my my whole life almost except the last two years where it's like you're getting reward rewarded in like staying in line. Yeah, yeah, and it's very very important. Yeah. yeah. And this is important as well for employee retention, which is, you know, a huge thing at the moment. I, what's it like in Europe? Are, are people leaving as, as fast as they are in the U.S.? Yeah, it's it's slightly different than in the U.S., at least what I hear. But I'm not, also not really into all the all the weeds in, on, on that topic okay. because you're, yeah. you're extremely well protected in most European countries. On this is true labor rights and so on and it's slightly different setup than in the u.s yeah okay but i think it's going to happen because what i heard and we 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 talked yesterday with an executive um hr executive from fortune 500 company and she was saying it's it's going to be rough because people or some companies are forcing people to go back into the office and people don't want to mm-hmm and yeah. if that's going to happen, then like you said, it's they most probably are leaving. Yeah, yeah. But we're not there yet. Here. Yeah, and and that's something that that we cannot overcome through things like creative problem solving. No. You know, somebody really does not want to go back in the office. Well, you know, th there's nothing that's going to change that. If it's a question of you know how how much longer am I going to stay with this company, then providing the opportunity for mavericks to have a voice in taking the company forward and be recognized for it. Um, it it's going to motivate them. Um, they're going to be happier. They're going to be less likely to look around and see if, if the grass is greener anyplace else. So um, yeah, that, that's an important aspect of this as well. Good. So we, we move on planning. Yeah, ideating and now we go into choosing if i exactly yeah so great minds think alike we're on the same page we got there at the same time um <laughs> so when you're when you're choosing your solutions um the customer experience again comes into this because a big part of whether to take an idea forward is who's actually going to be using this or right. who's going to be affected and how because remember an innovation isn't just a product it could be a service it could be an internal process it could be a marketing campaign so asking the question in terms of who will be affected and how um, looks at it from an external point of view and from an internal point of view because it also raises the issue of well, who's going to implement this if we decide to move forward with it? Do we have the resources? And if we add this to uh, the strategy, how is it going to affect everything else? Is there going to be a domino effect? Um, 
it's also the time to think about whether there are any other questions to ask. So a lot of the work around creative problem solving is about asking questions, which is why it was so important to come up with that problem question, really, not a problem statement of how to or how might we um, to do that. So any questions that have been parked in the past that feels that still feel relevant would be coming out now, as well as you know, I talked to her earlier about uh, coming up with uh, silly ideas and having fun. It might be that a silly idea stuck in the head of somebody so much that they come to the choosing session and say, you know, we talked about f- furry elephants. And it got me thinking about this, that, da, 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 and we talked about that. And, you know, I think there's still validity to looking at that as an idea. Could we take 10 minutes, 15 minutes to do a little bit more brainstorming just to see if, does this capture our imagination enough where we should revisit it? So that's something that you can do. So how do you actually do the choosing? There are a few different ways. I mentioned earlier, you can do a a list of pros and cons. Um, I've done a, a criteria chart before where I've come up with, people who are being affected. So it might be uh, people on the shop floor. It might be uh, C-suite. It might be stakeholders. It might be customers. Um, So determining what those criteria are and then having a matrix to see, you know, how how does it meet those different criteria? Um, You can do voting. Uh, Give everybody 10 um, uh, sticky sticky sheets, um, you know, these kinds of things and have them, if you're doing this live and in person, have them go up to the board and put their votes next to each idea. You know, they can have six votes on one idea, two votes on another idea, that kind of thing. So there, there are a number of different ways, uh, that, that you can, um, make your choice about what to take forward. Who, who is involved in that? Is it like, I'm just thinking about the corporate setting. So there's a team which is doing the ideation and maybe management wasn't involved and uh, maybe they are. Um, How does it work? So so there's now a group who has been part of it and they're choosing of what's going into implementing or innovating in the future. Is there? Yeah, good question. Who is is part of that? Exactly, good question. Uh, So... Part of it's going to depend on how you set up the project. Part of the project is going to be at what point do you need to check in with somebody before moving to the next stage and who is that somebody going to be? Um, Some projects may be set up so that it's the whole project team that goes through that process and uh, they, they get to the final uh, solution and before taking it forward, that's the point that they have to check in with stakeholders. Other organizations, um, this might be more appropriate for larger organizations, um, could be the, the setup is it's the, the small team that takes it all the way forward up until the choosing 
And it was designed, the plan was designed so that it's then expanded to bring in the next level of stakeholders to help make those decisions. And then before deciding, do we implement or innovate, it goes then up to the next level of stakeholders. So it's really depending on how uh, the team, how the leader wants to design the project. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think it's pretty much as well dependent on how the organizational structure is and how 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 often they do this kind of processes, I guess, as well. If they have never done it, it's most probably different than if they, it's like, yeah, normal for us. We do all, do this all the time. So the trust level of, let's say, the, the executive management, for example, to say, okay, you just get a budget and, and go if it's below that budget, you can do it and implement it or innovate it straight away. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And you've been raising such good points that that I can glom on to. Uh, another point is that the more people use this uh, framework, the easier it gets, the faster it goes. Um, the idea is to use this when the stakes are low uh, to begin with, you know, when, when you're not facing um, a deadline of any kind. Um, the the And do it with small projects so that you start to get the hang of it. And then you can build up and build up and bring more people in. So um, that that's a good point as well. And just to remind people, I, I don't think we're going to talk about phase four, uh, which is deciding whether to innovate or, sorry, deciding whether to implement or innovate, uh, you know, do, going back uh, a few steps, uh, checking your assumptions, doing the prototyping. Um, the, the process, by the way, for creative problem solving and innovation is about three quarters the same. Uh, mm. the, the split happens when you decide to actually innovate. Mm. So you have chosen together with the team And maybe just giving a little bit of examples of what gives you that direction. So how do they understand more in depth of, okay, do we now need to implement or do we now need to innovate? Do you have okay. some easy examples on that where people can understand which direction to go? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a good example would be If we take something that that's already in existence, so uh, let's take <clears throat> a well-known computer brand uh, whose logo is a piece of fruit. Um, <laughs> <We've> <laughs> their, <laughs> their computers have been developing, their operating systems have been developing over time. And these are... Um, These are actually iterations that can be implemented relatively easily. You know, you already have the people that are working on software. You can put them on a new software project. Uh, the, um, you know, if you're looking for the next level of equipment, it's not going to be terribly different in terms of uh, what it looks like. Counter that with the, the very first uh, smartphone You know, you had cameras, you had telephones, um, you had calendars, but you didn't have them all in one device. Mm -hmm. um, so to try and 
implement something like that within a few months would be nigh on impossible. You would have to create a new team for it. Uh, you'd have to create a, a budget for it. Um, what so, some companies do is they actually have a, a budget and uh, it's written into their strategy that they give their employees time for doing blue sky thinking like this. So mm. It might be an afternoon a month or it might be an hour a week with your team. And uh, they have a budget that they can use so that if they're on the border of, oh, I wonder if we can implement this in time for the Christmas season, something like that. Uh, how much money do we have in the pot that we can play with? Who are, you know, what other people can we get on the project to work with us? Uh, if it's seen to be too big for, no, nah, we're never going to make that. Um, yeah. And really, it, it deserves time to explore how much of an innovation it could be. You know, you know in your gut, it's going to be something different. But just by how much, you, you don't want to wing it on an innovation. You really want to explore it and make sure you get it right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's I think, important for, for a team and an organization to understand that so they can then decide, okay, let's put it into that direction or that direction. Yeah. Great. So did we miss anything? <laughs> we covered a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any questions have come up at your end. Um, I feel like there, there are a lot of things that would be helpful to people. Um, Absolutely. No, I, what do you think? I really like the, the, the process steps. Like I said at the beginning, it's very, very easy to understand and very helpful for an organization then to us. Well, at least if you think like I do, um, to understand, okay, there are several steps and you need to understand that you need to do things before you go into the next phase. And the the triggers is really it's like having someone like you who is guiding a team, who is guiding someone through that rather than, because in the end, like you said, they can do this on their own, but if they have never done it, it's quite hard to, it's like poke a little bit, especially in this ideation, maybe the planning it, kind of feels okay if you come from a planning department or if you have done a lot of projects but yeah ideating and then choosing is it's nothing you do every day in that way at least not in the creative way may for sure everyone has ideas every day but having mm -hmm. then someone like like yourself who is helping the organization and being in the room and saying hey yeah is that really your best idea come on you have more like this small <laughs> comment um, that helps a team to get way further than they would do on their own. I yeah. think that's super powerful. Yeah. And I'm also about um, transferring skills. You know, I want, yeah. I want people to be able to do this easily for themselves because quite frankly, we need to do a lot of work uh, yeah. to, for a better future. And, you know, my heart is working with, Uh, sustainability companies and social benefit organizations. And they're, they're at the very pinnacle of, you know, making these kinds of changes. So I, I want to help them get there faster because it's going to benefit all of us, to be honest. Yeah, agree. So one question I always ask before we end the show is, can you give us a description of your dream client? Thank you. Um, yeah, my dream client. Uh, well, I'm quite clear uh, on 
the fact that I want to work in uh, fields that are going to have a huge impact on uh, the planet's health, on our health. Um, I think my dream client is an organization. They could be a nonprofit, a social enterprise, a B Corp, um, where they have an idea that they know is, is going to change the world in some way. They have the vision. They have the commitment to taking that vision forward. Nothing is going to stop them. Um, and they know that there is a better, more efficient way of getting things done. They're um, very uh, used to working with outside partners like myself, and they trust their team. Uh, they, they just haven't been able to find the right teams, to uh, the right tools for their team. So they're, they're always on the outlook. It, it, their, their motto is continuous improvement and, I don't know, a, a, astonishing outcomes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great one. Super. I'm so looking forward to your book launch on Monday. Um, so everyone who is watching this live right now, have an eye on El Elias. Uh, Elia. 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 <laughs> I don't manage it. Have have an outlook at the book. I will put links into into the webpage as well. So the, as well putting the framework, I think that's something interesting for people to have a look at as well. And a yes, couple of please. other links towards your world as well. Yeah. And just to be clear on the book, it's not entirely my book. I have a, a chapter in the book there. It's this is a book in a series of astonishing um, advice from mm. all kinds of people, you know, uh, world class athletes. Uh, other coaches, uh, entrepreneurs, and um, I think it's it's just a good resource. You know, I've been very impressed by previous iterations. Um, and if people want to uh, sign up for my newsletter, they can go to the potential thepotentialcenter.com, um, and I'll send you a free chapter of the book. Yeah, awesome. And I will I will put the link to the newsletter as well, so you can thank you can link to the to or. People can straight away sign up towards towards the newsletter and get in contact yeah. with you if they want to. Awesome. Thank you very much for spending your morning with me in my evening. Thank you, Jens. <laughs> it was lots of fun. Thanks yeah, for it, playing with me. It was great. I learned a lot and 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 really, really liked the process, as I said already, looking forward to to read the chapter and the book in, in total. The book was Name Wars Winner's Mindset, if I remember right. Correct. Yeah. Thank you very much for being on the show and for everyone who is watching still and listening later on. Next week will be a break on the Innovation Culture Coding Show because I'm traveling and I don't have a proper Wi-Fi connection. So I have decided to take one week break of live shows. We will do a couple of fun things because we will do a road trip next week, but you will see that in all my social medias. So thank you very much for watching and listening. Elia. Thank Elliot. you very much. <laughs> I, I, I will not manage it. Um, <laughs> thanks for being with me. Thanks for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me, Jens. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You will find the links and resources in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to support the podcast, the most impactful thing you can do is subscribing to the show on any of the podcasting platforms and give me a review. This will help me to reach more innovators around the world and bring some of you into the show. 
If you have any question to the guest or want to engage with me, feel free to reach out to me on social media and contact me there. Thanks and see you in the next episode.